By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to The Next Generation. I'm Victoria Cece. Join me as we chat with young Italian wine people shaking up the wine scene. We're going to geek out on a grape or grape fam and then hear about all the wild wine things our guests have been up to, from vineyard experiments to their favorite wine bars. I'm alive. I'm alive. Are you alive? Whoever's listening out there, we're alive and we're alive together. We're going to get through this another episode of The Next Generation. Today is going to be a fun one, a really fun fun one. We have a wonderful guest coming on, Alessandro Scarcella, and we are going to be talking about a lot of fun things with him. He is in Piemonte, and he also grows Grignolino, which is the grape that I want to talk about today. We are going to do a little, you know, grape breakdown. I'm reading from the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 book. That's where the facts are coming from. And I want to talk a bit about Grignolino, a wonderful grape indigenous to Piemonte that Alessandro grows at his family winery, Scarcella. They also grow and uh, produce other wines about that on stuff. But Grignolino is this fun guy that everyone's actually been hyping up lately. I mean, it's worth it. I mean, it's it's a it's a good wine when it's really treated with love and care, and it's very unique. So it actually dates back to at least the mid-13th century in the Monferrato area. That's old. Its name actually derives from grignole, referring to the grinding of one's teeth due to the characteristic high acidity and panic intensity of the wines. Another possible origin of the name stems from the word granola, which refers to the high number of pips in the berries. Let's go with the first one, because I think the whole grinding your teeth thing is a lot better and a lot more memorable. So you're probably wondering, what does grignolino look like, taste like? It has actually a really light color. so. It's really, really, it's pale in the glass for a red wine. I probably should have said it's a red grape that produces red wine. If you didn't know, now you know. And it can have different aromas, but usually it's strawberry and raspberry in that red fruit kind of area. And you also get this nice floral, floral, floralness. There's flowers that you'll get on the nose, (laughs) however you want to say that. And again, given the origin of its name that we're choosing to follow, the Grignole, when you're drinking Grignolino, you'll know that the acidity is, it's there. And it has a very, as the book says, pointy tannic structure. I love that word, pointy. So super refreshing red wine. And we're about to have a producer on who makes it. So you can try it right from Scarcella. Now, Tereshman, I'm excited. Let's bring him on. All right, drum roll. Here's our guest, Alessandro Scarcella. Ciao, Alessandro. Ciao. Good day, everyone. How are you, Victoria? 
I'm doing well. I'm sitting in a little box in Verona, and you are where? In Piemonte? I'm in Piemonte right now. Yeah, I'm at home. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. We're starting with the pruning soon. So uh, I'm taking a break right now to have this chat with you, and I'm pretty happy with that because it's foggy <laughs> and cold outside. So <laughs> that's good. But not as cold as Sweden, where you apparently were just yesterday? Yeah, that's right. So I head back from Sweden yesterday evening because I had an event about uh, Piedmontese wines, and it went pretty good. The name was Barolo and Friends. So it was mostly into Barolo wines, but also other varieties in Piemonte. And the wine lovers love it. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> so do the Swedish really dig Italian wine? Do they love Italian wine? They actually do. And they know a lot about Barbera, probably more than what I do. <laughs> <laughs> really? So they know, yeah, they know a lot about Barbera Dusty and Barbera Dalba and the DOCG and the DOC. And yeah, they were pretty, pretty into that. So that was great. <laughs> wow. So they schooled the winemaker on his own wine. That's hilarious. Do you have an instance where they knew something that you didn't know about Barbera? About Barbera, no. But they told me something like, is it real that we can add sugar in Sweden in, in our wines? And I said, I'm not pretty sure with that. And they told me, yeah, because we had the course and they told us that because here it's cool climate, we can add sugar into the, the must to make wines. So I'm not sure about that. Uh, so probably they know more <laughs> about their wines. So, uh, so they, they make wines. So they make wine in Sweden. I... They do. Yes, they oh. do. In the southern part of Sweden. I don't know when they started, but they have like uh, some varieties that they are growing. So they do sparklings and white wines mostly. Did you try any of them? I did. So I went to this restaurant in, in Stockholm. And yeah, so this mm, they brought me the entree. And they paired the entree with this Swedish sparkling wine, the Swedish champagne. <laughs> I know that French people will get mad if I say champagne. So it was a Swedish sparkling wine. And it was interesting. I don't. I can't remember the the varieties, but it was uh, a brut <laughs> brut nature. <laughs> it's so funny because you know that when someone goes, it was interesting. <laughs> it's like you're like I can't say I I liked it, but I can't say I wouldn't drink it again. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it was good with the cuisine, I think, because we had many plates, like little platters, and I think it paired really well, but. Yeah, the taste was was interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't no say I enjoyed that much, but it was interesting with that place. It was a little bit reductive, but in some ways enjoyable, if you know what I mean. In some ways enjoyable. Yeah, if that's you like great marketing little, for Swedish sparkling yeah. wine. In some yeah, ways, but that wine. Yeah, if you like some notes of reduction. Yes, that was a very good sparkling wine. <laughs> but my question is for you, how much wine did you have before you tried the Swedish sparkling wine? Uh, not many, actually, because I had the events during the day, so I couldn't drink. Uh, so that was actually the first wine, except mines, that I was tasting uh, after I opened the bottles. So that was the first proper glass I had. <laughs> so you were sober? 
Okay. I was sober. Yeah, at the, at the start of the of the dinner. Yeah. Okay, so this is a sober account. That's good. It's yeah. Okay, so Swedish <laughs> Swedish sparkling wines off to a good start then. I yes. don't know if I'll ever try it, but as somebody who did drink, and I probably shouldn't say this on air, but copious amounts of champagne last night, because why not? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a very long day yesterday. It was very much needed. But my champagne, mm-hmm. the first bottle, was actually reductive. So was it a proper champagne that you had, like a French one? Yeah. Why would I? Okay, good. I would. I would not. What? Excuse me. I'm insulted. <laughs> I would not call something that's not champagne champagne, sir. I know. Already, my friend told me because on Instagram I post the story like Swedish champagne, and I had like ten friends saying don't call champagne, and I'm like, yes, guys, I'm just joking. <laughs> Calm down. Like, what are you gonna call it? Swedish sect? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sparkling. Like, sparkling. Like, no, but it's 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 funny, of course, because champagne has become like the word champagne globally has become synonymous with just bubbles with with sparkling wine. But it, it yes. I think this is even though we should be talking more about Italian wine because this is the Italian wine podcast, it is true <laughs> that we really need to stop associating those two things. Because okay. it's so no, no, I mean not us personally, <laughs> I just mean globally because it's so wrong. Like good champ like well champagne i mean is there yeah there's bad champagne out there that's not bad but like you know champagne is generally good you know what i mean like real champagne it is yeah yeah like usually even the base level it's like it's it's better than a lot of the sparklings out out there especially being someone you know i'm american there's Mm -hmm. uh quite the many interesting sparkling wines (laughs) that you come across um (laughs) but we could go down the whole you know classic you know method you know a method champenois discussion but i'm gonna bring it back because mm-hmm. i my 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 uh italian wine lover inside of me is like victoria don't talk about champagne this and, whole swedish wines. and swedish wines <laughs> that's right but it's <laughs> Even i really want start, to you know <laughs> it's, it's a good different. start this is when i go so grignolino anyone <laughs> so let's go back to italian wines okay <laughs> Um, anyways so i i already briefly introduced you in the introduction but let's 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 we're gonna fly back to piedmont from stockholm Mm -hmm. so where are you again alessandro in uh piedmont so i'm based in rocchetta tanaro which is in piemonte region of course and we are in monferrato area and it's a pretty awesome place like if you look at the map you see that it's surrounded by forests. And we are like 15 minutes from from Asti. So, and around 30 minutes from Alba. So it's also a really strategic place if you want to visit the wine regions here in, in Piemonte. And we have also a natural park in Rocchetta Tanaro, which is, which many, many people come to visit from, from Europe and from America as well. We have a lady in Rocchetta, that started uh, an Airbnb, and she's a foreigner, and she fell in love with with Rocchetta Tanner. So mm. it's a place that many people fall in love with. <laughs> ah. Yeah, that sounds so sweet and romantic, and which is what a lot of people think Italy's like, even though we know it's not always like that. Yeah. But we'll stay on the romantic <laughs> side of it for now. So you're born and raised in Piedmont, and mm-hmm. I'm curious because I love one of my favorite things to talk about. 
mm-hmm. is language and dialects and all that craziness. Because, okay, when you're drinking wine, you're talking, right? I mean, unless you're crying alone in your room, but that's no, another type we of drinking don't, wine. We, we don't, don't want, want to do, talk about that. We don't want that. <laughs> we want to drink wine together. Wine is about community. Uh, so I want to know, in Piedmont, are there any kind of like fun sayings or something? Yeah. I know you mentioned one. And yes. I, I, I want to know more about it. <laughs> so, yeah, we have some stereotypes. If we are talking about the region, uh, the southern people in Italy will say that it's a pretty gray and foggy region because they're mm-hmm. from the south. And of course, they have the sea, the sun. So for them here, it's always foggy, but that's not true. And then we have another stereotype, which is about people living in Piemonte, which is falsi and cortesi which means fake and courteous (laughs) so basically they say that we are pretty kind of uh, kind people but then we talk about them back to their shoulders if you know what i mean Uh, so doing gossips but i think that happens everywhere in the world right it depends from the people uh but yeah there is this stereotype that we are fake and courteous people (laughs) okay so which is yeah which is not a nice thing to say but you know every region has something to say about the others uh but yeah i can tell that no it's it's not true <laughs> you're telling me that because we're having a conversation right now yeah. <laughs> I'm everything i'm saying is real <laughs> yeah. i swear are you enjoying this podcast don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Okay, so I learned today that the stereotype of Piedmont is that they're the backstabbers of Italy. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Some people say that. <laughs> some people say that. Um, do you? Do you? So you don't believe it at all? You think it's totally a lie, a total stereotype? I think that it could be true, but also it happens all around the world. You know, it's not just in Piemonte. I would say. Does it happen in America as well for you? Like, do you think there are states in America that it's more like like this? So okay, yes, there is. There is a similar stereotype in the states for sure, and I think it goes into the you know i don't know if you ever heard the east coast west coast narrative but yeah yeah same like yeah. they say that in the east coast is uh yeah they are more like kind instead in the in the west they're more like fake and you know and it's just kind of how you're saying it depends on where you are right but i definitely used to believe more in that stereotype when i was younger because mm-hmm. i so i grew up in new jersey and new jersey like I don't know if you know this, you might, but we're, we're, our stereotype is we're loud and in your face and like, we're Jersey people. (laughs) I'm not going to even get into it, but, (laughs) and it's, it's similar. It's a little different than New York, but that similar like concept of, um, I can't say all the East coast because like, if you go further South, there's another, like, you know, okay, let me just simplify this. So we're talking the Northeast right now, comparing Mm -hmm. to like California, the Northeast of like, America is is there's oh, we're like more direct we're more, more like you know in your face whereas like the west coast is stereotyped as like you know that kind of LA like oh like everything's chill but it's not really chill 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Kind of yeah. like the Faustia Cortez, that kind of vibe. Yeah. And I used to, because I used to have, and I won't say it's true because I will never generalize groups of people. And I've also, I did a harvest in, in California. So mm-hmm. I definitely would not say it's true in an entire state. But when I did go to college uh, uh, in York, I met so many people from the West Coast and they were so chill and everything was always like, yeah, it's cool. And I was always like, but where do I stand with you, bro? Like, I need a, I need a, you actually want to be my friend. Like I, I like, and I was, it, there was a bit of a cultural thing. And maybe it's like, if you get more sun, you're more chill. I mean, it's pretty like, like going back to Piedmont, it's pretty, it can be really gray in New Jersey. Like, you know what I mean? We, we're a little rough around the edges when it comes to that. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's how it is in the States. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so yeah, but it, it's so, but that's the thing. It's so funny how like those narratives exist um, everywhere in the world, right? It's like the East, the, like, you know, the North versus the South, East versus West, not to get political, yeah, exactly. but like, it, it, it's not, it, you know, the, the general concept's the same. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really general speaking and there are stereotypes and of course they're, they're not true, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but it, they are fun talks, you know. So people like to just generalize and do these things, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is part was... of the world and also the wine world. So it's oh, funny. Yeah. No. Oh, the wine. I mean, that's. I think that's what's so interesting. What's happening in Italy right now? You know what I mean? With all like people like you and in myself included as a young person in wine, it's it's the future is an interesting one. And I mean, going back to stereotypes and uh you know what people think so you're three brothers that run a winery right so all three brothers are involved in this in your winery yes we are we are all involved so i'm the middle son um emanuele is my oldest brother and he studied economy so since he graduated he he always loved uh hands-on jobs so he wanted to take over our family business so we started to plant new vineyards since 2016. So we planted uh, Barbera and Grignolino firstly, and then Arnais, and then Shirai as well. And then Edouard Vinstead is my youngest brother, and he's studying chemistry here at the university in, in Piemonte. So he wanted to study chemistry because he said that he wanted to study something that he can apply to different jobs and also because he loves the, the food chemistry so he loves cooking uh, he's really italian so i said i think <laughs> chemistry can help me as well you know in cooking and and do different things and then we have our number one fan which is our dad franco and he's very humble man so he says that uh, no matter what the important thing is that we are enjoying our job and and then he said something like, uh, like when I come back from wine fairs, he doesn't ask me if I sold the wine, but he says, okay, how how did you go? And I said, well, good, I think. <laughs> and he says, okay, but people like your wines? And I said, yes, but do you want to know if I sold anything? And he said, it doesn't matter that part. <laughs> so he's really into knowing if, I had good times, and if people love our wines that me and my brothers are producing, um, so yeah, that's that's very the thing that I love most uh, about our dad. Franco seems like the sweetest dad. 
It is. It actually is. <laughs> oh my god, that's so refreshing. As an American, like you grow up with this whole like, what's your job? How much money are you making? Is that really worth it? And then your dad's just like, as long as people love your wife. Yeah, like my heart's like on the wise floor. Man. <laughs> I love it. No, it's so beautiful. So, but do you? I mean, three boys though. Like, do you got you guys must stir up some trouble? I mean, you um, guys are you guys all friends? If between brothers we are friends, you mean? Yeah, are you guys friends? We are, yeah. Yeah, we're doing really well. Uh I'm managing more of the marketing and and the selling part about the wine, but also because I study onology, of course, I'm into the winemaking as well and the viticulture. And instead my brothers they're more into the production. So more into going to the vineyard and and making wine. So being in the cellar. So we are we are doing really well. And everything that we do, we always ask each other. So even if it could be um, a small thing, uh, we always ask each other if we agree to do something. And I think we are a nice, a really good teamwork, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's good. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so you're, now I get it. So you're like the front man. You're the, the sales guy. You carry them the Scarcella message. And then yeah. they're in the vines. Okay, yeah, exactly. that makes sense. And then you got, and then you got the brother that wants to be a cook, which is just perfect because we all yeah. got to eat. Here. <laughs> Do you imagine, like, <laughs> yeah, if we would have like uh, a restaurant in the winery, I don't know what, when will happen or if ever will happen. But at least we also have a little chef in the winery who can cook and you know do also these pairings with food. Uh, oh. It's still a dream. We will see what happens, but yeah. I- I believe in your dream and I will be one of your first guests because I love, love, love food. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I think I love food more than I love wine. Okay, no, I can't say it. No, I like them both. But uh, it's so hard. I can't choose, but but you need food to survive, so I pick food. Okay, but you also need wine to pair and enjoy more the food, right? So, yeah, I think it's a (laughs) 50-50. Yeah, I don't want to put myself or are you in an existential crisis right now? So let's <laughs> just say we have both and let's enjoy them. But like, yeah. on actually, on that note, what's like a traditional dish from your area? Like, if I were to come there, what should I eat? Uh, so a traditional dish, if we start with entrees, I would say viteltone, which is like sliced uh, beef with a tuna sauce on top. I know it's weird because you're not supposed to pair the tuna with beef, but it's actually a good pairing. I don't know if you ever tried, so I suggest you to. Uh, otherwise, we have agnolotti, which is uh, like ravioli pasta, but they have a square shape and with beef inside, like ragu inside. And that is not proper ragu, but to explain, it's like a beef paste. And they can be served with a red wine sauce, which is very interesting as well. Um, and then if we go to dessert, we have bunet, which is like um, budino. So it's like panna cotta with the gianduia amaretto taste. So, okay. So the first one you're talking about was like vitello tonato, right? Like that. Yeah. Kinda... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I no, I've had, I think I've had all of these, but I've never, this is going to be a real shock for the audience. I've never been to Piedmont. 
I know. <clears throat> to not talk about it. Yeah, dude, yeah. It's it's something that's probably like everyone's gonna be like, this girl doesn't even work in wine. Then it just hasn't happened. It's also because I entered wine, Italian wine, in a like very unorthodox way. I didn't enter like super traditionally. And if you enter traditionally, where do you go first? Piedmont mm-hmm. or Tuscany? But anyways, um. So, but food wise, I love food. So I I've, I've had those dishes, just not in Piedmont. Um. And I love that you brought up Vitello Tonato because it's like, especially nowadays on social media, everyone's all like, this mm-hmm. doesn't go with this in Italian food and whatnot. And even though I used to be like kind of one of those people, I just love how like you go as you go across to different places in Italy and then you just get proven wrong. Like you're just like, yeah. you're like, yeah, but then you go to Piedmont and they put tuna fish sauce on veal. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I just... know. Uh, it's something that I would never eat anywhere else, but just because it's tradition here and they always made it, uh, yeah, so even when I was a kid, I never, never uh, used to eat it. But it's something that you start to enjoy later on in life, I think. <laughs> Especially <laughs> when you can pair maybe with Langenebbiolo or, or Grignolino or Barbera dishes. Um, wines, <laughs> not dishes. <laughs> but like on that note, because obviously you guys are super busy, but being that I know that you're the marketing guy now, so you're not like, stuck in the vineyards what do you like i mean what do you do for fun like are there like some cool wine bars like do you just drink in your winery do you what do you guys do okay um so i don't like to say i'm the marketing guy even if i said before because i'm, I'm really pretty a vigneron i think like um, oh sorry sorry i didn't mean to insult you you are a vigneron slash no, no. marketing guy <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I head back from this event in Sweden and I'm looking forward to go to the vineyard and just enjoying the landscape and hearing the, the birds singing, you know, so I, I'm really into nature as well. But I also <laughs> like to go with friends and have fun. Um, so if we stay in Rocchetta Tanero, there is a nice wine bar that is called Tasquet. Uh, otherwise, I will move to Alba, which is a more popular town, obviously the capital of the Lange. And there are plenty of wine bars everywhere. So every weekend, you're sure that you will go to drink somewhere else because there are so many, like plenty. <laughs> it's popping in Piedmont. I need to get there. You I mean, really, obviously. It's you really just, do. Uh, okay, so if I'm coming there, hypothetically, mm-hmm. like I'm getting on a train or getting a car tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I was coming to Roquetta, where would what would we do? Like, give me a, I'm going to, I can give you a second to process this, but if we had like a one day itinerary. Okay. So what would go on? You stop in Roquetta first. Mm-hmm. You visit our winery. I show you the vineyards. I show you the landscape. Then we can stop to eat at Trattoria Bologna, which is the most chic restaurant in Roquetta. It's, it's very, very popular. And then we get the car. We drive to Neide. So we go to the Lange. So we visit another wine region in, in Piemonte. We see the vineyards there. So they're famous because of the Barbaresco, of course. And then we keep driving. We go to Alba. We stop for another aperitivo. So basically every hour we drink wine, <laughs> but someone else will okay. drive. <laughs> um, oh, there's a driver involved. Yay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. At least we can drink as much as we want. And then we go to La Morra, we say. So we move to the Barolo area. and. And we see that 
um, the landscape there because Lamora is the highest point in in the Lange, so it's five hundred meters something. So that would be the itinerary. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you have just one day. That's the thing that I would do, I think. And, and, and then you can just pick uh, a resort somewhere. Uh, it depends what time of the year you're coming. But if it's summer, ju- uh, during summer, uh, most of the resorts have spa and swimming pool. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we will have dinner at some resorts and, I don't know, have a night there. And then you head back to Verona the day after. <laughs> so do people, like... Do, okay, I guess you answered that already. Wow. You, so there's tons of wine bars. That sounds great. Honestly, like a nice dip, drinking wine every hour, taking a little swim, eating a bunch of agnolotti. Mm-hmm. And then, ah, okay, you've convinced Dream. me. Obviously, I was already convinced <laughs> to come to Piedmont, but now I'm I'm more convinced. Yeah. And then it's, it's not that far. Like, it, it's very easy to get here. Like, if you get a plane to Malpensa, it's like one hour 30 two hours tops to get here in, in the Lange Monferrato Royero area. So, um, yeah, it's close to most of the most famous uh, airports here in the north of Italy. Yeah, no, it's not it's not far at all. I mean, and not that this is about me, but that's not the reason I haven't been there. But it's definitely <laughs> reminding me why it's so stupid I haven't. But yes, it's for everyone listening, Piedmont, you gotta go. I mean, that's a big region, but like, it is, it's, it is, it's just so easy. You just hop in the car and you drive. I mean, and, and, and you can go and eat all the lovely food you can eat and go to these wonderful wineries. It's just, ah, it yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream. It is. I, I think you, you hadn't come here yet because you're like, it's very close. It's easy to, to go, you know? So you're like, I have time to go. Exactly. So I think that's the reason. And it's like the place that I always felt like I'd end up going because I work in wine, where it was like, okay, I'll probably end up there next month or like something. Yeah. It still hasn't happened where it's like, it's so stupid. And it's, but anyways, it just, for me right now, when I just said that, so like, lackadaisically, I was like, oh, a dream. It's because it's so cold in Verona. And then just the thought of a swimming pool outside, I was like. I was like, I can't even, I'm going to, I'm going to just cry, but we are, you know, winded down on time, unfortunately, but I did want to, I wanted to wrap up with a a sweet little question, a very important Mm -hmm. one, because Italian wine scene is changing and evolving. And there's a lot of people who like really want to dive into Italian wine and very quickly, briefly as you can, how would you suggest someone who has no connection to Italy, you know, getting into the industry? You know, can they come work with you? <laughs> okay, so getting into the industry is it, pretty fun. Like, if you like to work outside, you can work in a vineyard. And that's that's really a nice experience, especially because I was working in wineries in which there were, like, people who graduated in economy or or medicines as well, especially in Australia. They were like, okay, I needed time to just enjoy life and living in slow uh, in slow motion you know getting into the industry you can always apply for for wineries most of them they're really happy to get on board young young people and and it's fun you know even if you work in the in the new world because they do night shifts and day shifts so i was working uh, during night shifts in australia and at the beginning it was very hard you know because you have to switch uh, the day and the night uh, but it's fun because 
like we had a really funny moment in which we finished at 6 a.m. and we started at 6 p.m. And after that, we went to the beach um, to have uh, wine and crackers. <laughs> so we had like an aperitivo uh, at the beach at 6 a.m. So there were like uh, people doing fishing and looking at us like, are you guys okay? Like it's 6 a.m. and you're drinking wine here at the beach. And if, so the other question was, if I can hire people, I would if we were bigger because we are a really small winery, but I can help. Like if people get in touch with me, I can try to see if I can find other wineries that are looking for, for help and and hiring uh, people. That's that's awesome. And yeah, make their 6 a.m. wine sipping on a beach dreams happen. Yes. There's no beaches <laughs> in Piedmont, but you know what I mean. And also, not to, I don't say this to make fun of you, but the Australian accent is is showing a little bit, and I love it. Is it? Okay. <laughs> it's like I was like, oh yeah, no, it's great, it's great. Anyways, but it was so so lovely to have you on, Alessandro. Thank you. Uh, oh, I will be in Piedmont soon. I will let you know. Uh, I now good. have an itinerary, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I hope you have a excellent day in the vines because you do work in the vines. You're not just a marketing guy. I'm going. Which I learned. (laughs) Pruning. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I will see you in Piemonte then. Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you very much. As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me every Sunday on the Italian Wine Podcast, available anywhere you can get your pods.